You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. Hey everybody, this is Ted. Welcome to another podcast episode of Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one podcast for all things communications, marketing, and advertising. Today I have with me Tamara Grominski, Chief Strategy Officer at Unbounce. She builds product marketing and growth teams that drive go-to market strategy and revenue acceleration. She is an expert in residence at the Product Marketing Alliance and is a top 10 product marketing influencer of 2020. Tamara, welcome. Hi, thanks so much for having me. So, how are you? How's, uh, how's the whole COVID life thing going? I'm surviving. I mean, finally, things are starting to open up. We can actually see people again. There's hope. So I'm feeling really positive. Yeah, I actually went to uh, my first golf tournament yesterday. Kind of my first like networking kind of thing. Seeing people yesterday was kind of weird. And we were like, <laughs> can we give you hugs? I'm like, no, no, I'm not I'm not ready for that yet. Yeah, but good to see you. has a different boundary right no, now, right? Good to see you. Good to see you. <laughs> So, you know, usually we start off with kind of the origin story of all our superheroes that we interview. So I wanted to get a sense of Tamara and and her path and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, sure. So as a child, I was an only child, actually, and I just loved stories. I was a voracious reader. I would sit in my room and, and truly read any book that I could get my hands on and just really fell in love with the world of stories. And so I feel like from a very early age, I knew that stories and this idea of storytelling would be a component of my life. Obviously, as a young child, immediately you think of being a writer. (laughs) But I I soon found out I was not creative enough to like write my own novel or anything like that. So, you know, a career in journalism or publishing was kind of the logical next step. Did a couple internships at newspapers in high school. And then I actually did my undergrad in professional writing. And I really explored a bunch of things during that time. So I was a copy editor at our university newspaper with the idea that I could probably go into either book publishing or magazines and and that world. And really became obsessed with this idea of like the commercialization of stories and how do we amplify people's stories? How do we get people to support creatives and make sure that creatives are are able to make a living? And so I ended up moving to Vancouver and doing my master's in publishing, which I always call an MBA for creatives because we really learned about how do you understand royalties? How do you even do market research to decide what stories are going to be compelling and which ones will not be? And came out of that. (laughs) Somewhere along the line, I I realized that the world of publishing is a very slow world. You're really bound to publishing timelines. So in the magazine world, that's maybe once a month. In the book world, it could take years to publish a book, which most people don't realize. And at that point, it was also kind of the turn of this like digital content where instead of just copying and pasting what was in a magazine and putting it online, people were starting to think about how do we create original content online? And really one thing led to another and I just became obsessed with digital and tech and online storytelling. Very cool. And then so how did you get into Unbounce? Because like it's, uh, I remember playing video games with the Unbounce crew when you guys were, you know, I think a handful of folks, you guys came over and we did a bunch of, uh, we did a bunch of Smash Bros competitions, <laughs> and then now you guys are this big beast of a of a company, just you know, taking on the world. So, when did you join? How did that journey happen? 
yeah, I've been at Unbounce for almost three years now. And there's really a series of things that led to me being here. There was about 10 years between when I finished my master's and when I joined Unmounts. And during that decade, I worked at a handful of companies that were all obsessed with the small to mid-sized business market. So I spent quite a bit of time at Yellow Pages Canada. And at that time, it was super interesting. We were tasked with kind of taking our whole network of SMBs across Canada and finding a way to take the spend that they currently spent on going into the phone book, which was becoming obsolete, obviously, and moving that to digital spend. And so my department was really launching these new digital services, technologies, and products. And so that was my first role in product marketing, truly. It, we were had like an in-house agency where we were delivering these services to SMBs, but also we were launching products and considering things like pricing and segmentation and go-to-market strategy. Kind of fell in love with the SMB market, with the impact that you could really have on SMBs and actually helping them grow their business. I obviously believe that SMBs are the backbone of our economy. So it was really, really rewarding work. At that point, I... I had a portfolio of products and one of them was a full SaaS product. And I said, I want to go and do SaaS 100% of the time. And so I actually moved to FreshBooks, which is a cloud accounting software based in Toronto. Again, focus on the SMB market. But in the back of my mind, I always had Vancouver, you know, I always felt like I would come back. I had done my master's here, but then moved back to Toronto for that 10-year period. And, you know, one day just made that decision, like life is too short. I kind of think about Vancouver constantly. I just want to go back. And so when I did that, I said, what are the companies that exist in Vancouver that are in the tech space that are serving SMBs? And obviously, Unbounce came top of mind. I was a marketer, so I'd also used the Unbounce product, loved it. Everyone knows the brand, the conference, CTA comp. And it's kind of a funny story. So they didn't even have a job posting up. So I applied for the job that was most similar. So they had like a growth marketing role, even though I wanted a product marketing role. And so I get a recruiter on the phone and on the call, she asked me her first question. And I'm like, actually, I don't want this job. I was like, but I do want to work for you for product marketing. Can I chat with Ryan Engley, who is the head of product marketing at the time? And I found that via the website. And Rick, the CEO, had published this like year wrap up the year before. And it talked about some of the highs and lows of Unbounce. And one of their big challenges was product marketing. And they had a bit of a failed launch, to be honest. And they had a lot of lessons that came out of that. And they kind of had this commitment of like, we need to fix product marketing. And so I was able to leverage that with my understanding of the market, the SMB market, as well as the product to say, hey, you should create a role for me because I can help you solve a problem that you've already publicly communicated that you have. And the rest is history. <laughs> That's fantastic. So you basically carved out a role without it actually existing at this company. And yeah. they just were like, yeah, this is a good idea. Let's do this. It was a bit serendipitous because when I finally got on the phone with Ryan, he let me know that they had been looking for a senior level product marketer for a while, like over six months, and they hadn't found the right candidate. And so they had actually just taken down the job description off the website, but they still had budget for the role. It was something in the back of their mind they knew that they needed to find. And so it wasn't like he even needed to you know, make a business case for it. It was just like, yes, we've been looking for you. And... It just worked out wow. so perfect. Ta-da! And yeah. then here you are. <laughs> here I am. <laughs> so then for a lot of our listeners, our SMB folks that uh, listen for marketing tips and whatnot, the term product marketing, maybe if you could elaborate just a little bit about what that is in your world and, and how that affects companies and 
and those kinds of things. Yeah, for sure. So product marketing is really an immersive field, I would say. The term product marketing has been around for a while. And typically what it meant, and you'll probably recognize this quote that everyone hears, which is product managers put products on the shelf, product marketers get products off the shelf. But that's not what product marketing means anymore. It used to be this idea of like, we work as a product management team to create a product. Once it's ready to be sold, the marketing team or the product marketers find a way to sell it. But what we found is that Well, if you're not actually understanding who's going to buy this, why are they going to buy it? What's the value for them in this? And how much can you price that value from the beginning? You're going to have a failed launch and you're going to minimize your success. And so really product marketing over the last, I would say, eight eight years has emerged of being a really embedded function with product managers and UX teams, particularly at tech companies, to help represent the market and understand what the market and customers value. So really product marketers own the go-to-market strategy, but they're a key input to product managers throughout that entire product development lifecycle, which is really exciting. And so we start from the beginning with product managers by helping them identify who is our target market, how large is that market, will it sustain our growth ambitions if we go after that? And then once we understand that, What does the market want? What are the customer problems we can solve? And how can we do that in a really unique way? How do we understand the value of that? So creating and testing value propositions, making sure we're really aligning on the right one, doing everything from like pricing. So what's the right value metric here? How do we package these services or these products that we're doing to make sure that there's customer value, but also business value? And then, of course, also the launch activities that most people associate with product marketing, which is actually getting the website ready, getting the messaging ready, getting it out there and in all of the channels. But that piece has really almost shrunk to be a smaller component of the job. And strategic product marketing has really elevated the function. So it's very entrepreneurial, if you ask me, just by hearing it as you're identifying a gap, you're telling product people, hey, how should we do this? And these are the steps, A, B, C, D. And you're really integral in the whole process now, as opposed to, like you said before, just getting off the shelf. That's exactly it. Entrepreneurial, self-starter. I always, people always ask me, what's the number one skill a product marketer needs to have? And for me, it's curiosity because any other skill, like it's going to vary based on the product you're marketing or the service or the industry you're in, but curiosity and the ability to ask really good questions and to follow that curiosity is what makes a really great product marketer, which I think also is what makes a really great entrepreneur. Well, I was just thinking about you know, everything you were describing is a lot of the entrepreneurial fun part of being an entrepreneur is like identifying the market gap, product market fit, and then trying to execute on it. How do you hire people that are entrepreneurial in mind, but are still looking for a job? Because I would imagine these people eventually just, uh, I don't know, maybe because I'm an entrepreneur myself, I'm just going to go start my thing. Like, how do you keep them here? Or how do you identify someone that's entrepreneurial, but is still wanting to work for a firm like yours. Honestly, hiring and retaining product marketers is a huge challenge right now. And and hiring and retention is a challenge across many industries right now. But product marketing is having its day. And so when it comes to hiring, honestly, there's no perfect path. It's not like I look for people who went to a particular program. If I had to choose one path, I would say someone who has their MBA, because exactly for the reasons that we just stated, they fully understand like how to run a business. So 
I've hired product marketers who've come from sales because they understand the selling process. They understand the sales mentality, that go-to-market channel. I've hired product marketers with a marketing background, but who are less tactical and a bit more strategic. I've hired product marketers who were product managers before, but they found the go-to-market component to be a bit more satisfying for them than, say, the product development Really, it is about identifying people who have a curiosity, people who want to push the limits, people who have amazing stakeholder management, because that's critical. Like product marketing is a very cross-functional role. And I would say, because this type of product marketing hasn't been around forever, you're not going to just find someone who's been doing this job forever. So you're really looking for potential. You're looking for appetite, for passion. And then in my experience, just kind of training or coaching them into the type of product marketing team that you want. When it comes to retention, again, it's so tricky. I would say I have had some product marketers move on to start their own companies for sure. A lot of them though, just really want to solve tough problems. So as long as you're giving them the right opportunity, you're empowering them and they have the right exposure at the company, meaning they can go to the founders, they can go to the C-level, they can go to anyone across the company. I think that that is what keeps someone happy and staying around. That's awesome. Okay, well, so I'm looking at your title. It says Chief Strategy Officer, not Chief Product Marketing Guru. So <laughs> so how did that transition happen? I get that there's a lot of strategy that's involved in being a product marketer. Tell me about that transition and and what challenges you see in your role. Yeah, that's a great question. Thanks. I would say there is two kind of parallel things happening that led me to this role. The first one is within the broader context of product marketing, I became involved with the Product Marketing Alliance, which you mentioned earlier. I was actually one of the founding members. We've been around just under three years now as well. So similar timing to when I started Unmounts. And it kind of evolved out of this need of, hey, product marketing is hard. You often feel misunderstood, but there's actually a network of us across you know, North America and now more broadly internationally. And what if we all came together? And as I started to have those conversations, I realized that I was thinking about product marketing a little bit differently than some people. And so I always draw this spectrum. And on one end, it's like tactical product marketing. And on the other end, it's strategic. And I was really leaning hard on that strategic piece. And when I would engage with people in conversations about how I was approaching product marketing from a strategic perspective, it was really exciting for folks. They were always wanting to take that back to their own organizations. And I started to realize that actually what I was building was not just a product marketing team, but also a strategy team. And you know, when you're working in tech, like at the time, Unbounce had less than 200 employees. So we don't have a separate strategy department. The strategic components of our plan are just put together by different people across the company. But I was kind of starting to build some competency in that. Then at the other end of the spectrum, specifically within my role at Unbounce, it was a really interesting time at Unbounce. When I joined, we were about 10 years old and we had had a lot of success. We completely defined and created what landing pages are, the landing page category, but landing pages were becoming commoditized. If I'm being honest, there's many offerings for landing pages. And we were finding that we were starting to compete on things like functionality and price point. And you never want to be in that place. And so really the question that was given to me and a few other folks at Unbounce at the time was, what could the next 10 years of Unbounce look like? And how could we build a sustainable future for our business? And we decided we wanted to be aggressively ambitious in that. We wanted to be dreamers and we wanted to create a whole new category. And in order to do so, we needed to build a strategic plan. And that plan was composed of things like complete segmentation. Who are our best customers? Who should we be focused on? And who are we comfortable saying, 
we might not serve them anymore. What are the customer problems that we can solve? How large is that market? How do we price for this kind of strategy? And then actually building the go-to-market strategy and helping with the product roadmap as well. And so really, I just started to be involved in or take on more and more strategic components. And so it was a bit of a natural evolution of my role. I originally started with just the product marketing team. And then over time, we decided that the customer marketing and customer lifecycle team made sense to sit with product marketing. There's actually a lot of similarities and synergies between the two. And actually a huge trend that's happening in the industry right now. And then we also moved partnerships and business development into my department as well. And we said, well, product marketing doesn't really describe what this is. What could we call ourselves? We tossed around a few ideas. We said, should we say strategy? Like, it's not really strategy. Is it growth? But it's not really growth. And we're also in the process of creating a product-led growth team in a different department. And so we actually landed on the name Strategic Growth. So the department I lead at Unbounce is called Strategic Growth. And then it was really just a natural evolution to say, hey, we actually need a chief strategy officer to help us, you know, distill and communicate. Like I don't create all the strategy myself, obviously. We have key players across the company, but I work with them to make sure that we're all working with the same inputs, that everything is making sense together, and that I'm able to help us clearly articulate that strategy internally and externally. So then how do you lead this vision? It sounds like you might be hurting a lot of cats and new cats that come on because you're growing at such a fast clip. How do you manage that and still keep focused on the direction in which you're going? Yeah, it's a balance. So within my own department, I really focused on building up strong leadership. So I actually have leaders for each of those three teams that I mentioned. So partnerships, customer marketing, and product marketing, and they are fully empowered to lead the day-to-day strategy. So I always think about chief strategy officer or strategy in general on like three time horizons. The first one being the next 12 months or this annual plan. And that's where I think I should spend the least amount of my time because I should have already provided enough direction that we know what we're doing this year. And then it's really up to my team and then their peers across the company to make sure that we're executing on that plan. And my role is, well, whenever they feel like they need a gut check or whenever they need to make a trade-off, like how might this impact our plan two or three years from now, then that's where I can come in to consult and advise, but they're fully empowered to lead that. So then that means I can spend more of my time on the two to three-year strategy, which is, I think, the most exciting place because it's, what are we thinking about exploring? How do we start validating those opportunities or validating that that's actually a market we want to go after? And so when you think about that, all of a sudden, the pool of people that I work with does narrow and shrink. And so there's a few key players that I work with across the company, and we're all highly aligned in you know, what that vision is, how we might explore that vision and how we might validate it. And so then we kind of work together to make sure that the rest of the organization is bought into that. Then the third time horizon is like five years plus out. And that's where you're really dreaming. It's where you're thinking about like, what could our exit strategy be? You know, how do we become the next Google? (laughs) All of that. And, you know, that's really work that I do with the, the most senior leaders and like our CEO and our president. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. 
Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yep, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Wow, that's fantastic. So then, so how do you bucket that time? Because you have the pie in the sky, the BHAG, I think as Good to Great would call it, you have the two to three year horizon, and then you got, I got the 12 month, you got, you got your people to, mm-hmm. to do that. But in tech and in business in general, right, things change so quickly. Look at the last, you know, 15, 18 months. How do you, how do you, like, oh, I am, I've been thinking about this for the, for the next two, three years, the next five years. How do you crystallize that into something that's reality when things move so quickly? Yeah, I think that's a great call out because what I'm not doing is I'm not building a roadmap for the next five years and saying, okay, three years from now, we're going to do this, or we're going to acquire this company, or we're going to have this functionality. What I'm trying to do is take a bit of a broader view of things and take an iterative approach to validating that. So for example, I might say this year, we're focused on solving these customer problems you know, our day-to-day teams are going to go and figure out what are the right solution fits for that. So if we're able to effectively solve those, what are the next customer problems we might want to explore? Whether it's deepening, you know, a customer problem that we've just scratched the surface on, or if it's broadening, you know, our customer problems or our use cases. And I'm going to start building some hypotheses around why I think those things are true. And there may even be competing hypotheses, right? And then I will work with either people internally or externally to start validating those hypotheses. So for example, we have a hypothesis about if we're able to kind of connect more of the top of funnel with the middle of funnel, which is where landing pages are, then we're going to be able to really increase conversions for our customers. 
you know, typically in many companies, what they might do is they go and build the top of funnel product, but that's not what we're doing here. We're asking ourselves, great, what may that look like? How might we solve that? Who might find that valuable? And then working with the product-led growth team to actually build prototypes and prototypes that we can then test to start getting early feedback. And so we're actually starting that process now this year, even though we feel like, oh, we might not build that this year or explore it. But whatever comes back from a research perspective, that's then going to validate or send me in a different direction for my hypothesis. So that type of thing, pretty interesting. And it really just depends on what the hypothesis is and where we think we might want to go. So do you build the hypothesis? Like that you, like you're running it, that part of it? Yeah, myself, as well as our head of product management, we really co-own the product and market strategy. And so we're trying to think at the highest level, that two to three year vision. And then it's a lot of R and D is what you what you basically are doing. So that's a you you as a as an organization must spend quite a bit of capital resources on R and D. And I think lots of tech companies do, but that's that's a big part of your your spend yearly. Yeah. Would, would you say a hundred percent? So and we actually have really interesting when we come up with these hypotheses. We have both push and pull. So there could be just hypotheses that things that we're observing in the market, things that we're hearing from customers, and then we're sending those to our teams to validate. Or we have this huge R&D team that's really focused on machine learning and artificial intelligence. And this was really exciting. I think it's something that's set Unbounce apart and has allowed us to create this differentiation. A few years ago, like over five years ago now, we committed to wanting to build machine learning functionality and the ability to productionize it. And so we actually were really ahead of the curve, especially from Canadian company perspective, of building a small team. We had about three or four people now for over five years just focused on building our own proprietary algorithms, exploring how we might leverage all of the data from our history. We've facilitated more than 1.5 billion conversions now. And so if you think about processing all of that, like there's so many juicy insights in there that we can use to help our customers get more conversions or grow smarter. And so what we have is an R&D team mostly focused on machine learning and AI, and then they present things to us as well. So they bring hypotheses to us. So for example... If you follow Unbounce, you probably have seen for the last two years, we've been talking a lot about the power and impact of copy versus design on landing page and conversions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Prior to our own R&D research, we had no idea what actually impacted conversion rate on a page. Like we knew that there was components of a page and, you know, the clearer you are with a single message, you're going to convert better. But what we found was that copy actually converts or has a higher increase on your conversion rate than design by at least 2x. And so... With that in mind, they're able to bring that insight to us and we're able to say, well, what do we want to do with that? And so we started to really think about how we can help our customers create better copy, faster copy, higher converting copy, right? So we're thinking about that. We have our teams working on internal solutions, but then we're also watching the market. And I'm not sure how much you've been following GPT-3, but that was Mm -hmm. pretty crazy starting last year. It came out. So interesting to see all the companies coming out with it. And while we were building our own models, we were really excited by companies that were adopting the GPT-3 model. And because we knew the importance of copy, we were actually able to acquire a company this year that is machine learning powered AI copywriting tool, leveraging GPT-3. And, you know, if we didn't have that insight of our own data, we probably wouldn't have been looking to acquire that type of a company. So it helped us move faster. So tell me about that, like AI powered copy. That just... Yeah. There's a thing on Netflix right now about, I think Netflix is a joke. They have a YouTube channel and they have an AI that's writing 
comedy skits <laughs> and it's terrible. It's freaking horrific, right? Mm-hmm. And now you're telling me, okay, we got this AI. We, you bought a company, so you definitely yeah. put chips down to go, this is going to happen. So tell me, is the Terminator writing my next ad <laughs> copy and it's going to be good? Is that what you're telling me? It is a great question. So I do feel like I need to say one thing, which is we believe that AI and machine learning is going to empower marketers, not make them obsolete. And that's actually a critical part of our strategy. So we're creating a category called conversion intelligence, which is essentially when a marketer and a machine work together to increase their chance of conversion. And so when we think about how that applies to AI copywriting, we can't just remove the marketer. So it's not like you can just say, hey, machine, write me something. And so how some of these tools work, if you haven't used them yet, is you can go in and you can say like what you want to write. So you could write landing page copy, you could write ad copy, you could even write a birthday card if you wanted. And as the marketer, you're going to be able to put your first content in. So you're going to say, hey, here's what I want to say. Here's my value props, whatever it might be. And then the machine, GPT-3 is trained on, you know, pretty much the internet. So it knows what works well. And it's going to write you a couple different variations of that. And you can say, yeah, I like this one. But as a marketer or, you know, an SMB or whatever it might be, I don't think it's quite right yet. And then you can tweak it. And that's totally fine. So we don't believe that AI is creating, you know, the best absolute publishable content right now, but it's saving time, it's generating ideas, and it's allowing marketers to do more with less. And so it still is about that pairing relationship and that augmentation. Let me ask you this. Are you using it for Unbounce's own advertising? Yes, we use it ourselves now. So (laughs) I remember when I first came to the team and I was like, I want to buy this company. (laughs) And (laughs) Carter, who is our old president, he said, well, let's go ask the marketing team and the writers how they would even feel about it. And there's definitely hesitancy at first, right? Because it's like, oh can this actually do as good of a job as I can? But everyone loves it. And so we've definitely adopted it for our marketing. Even when we're starting a campaign, we'll start. So the company we acquired, it's called Snazzy. We'll start with Snazzy. We'll put our ideas in. And sometimes it comes out truly with a better idea than I could do myself. Oh, wow. Really? Try it. Honestly, you're going to be shocked. So is this an add-on to Unbounce? We have an Unbounce subscription at Ballistic Arts. That's my agency. Yeah. And so we do a lot of this this kind of stuff and landing pages and whatnot. But I wasn't... No, I don't do that work. I got experts that that do this stuff. But no one's talked to me about Snazzy. And definitely no one's told me about this AI-powered tool to write copy because, I mean, it sounds like a miracle. So I'd love to know more about it. Absolutely. Yes. So we literally just acquired it three months ago. So it's fresh to the Unbounce family. And we're just in the process right now of really integrating it with our brand. So you will definitely hear more about it. And I can send you some more details after the show. Please do. Oh, look (laughs) at this free plug for me. Yay. Or for you to me. Anyway. um, Okay. So let's go into a little bit of rapid fire. We have, we usually ask our marketing folks, some fun things just to, you know, get to know you a little bit and also get some expert tips. So We'll start off with something a little bit fun. What's the best thing that you did over COVID? I built a course. So I built a course on customer segmentation with the Product Marketing Alliance that it's available online. And yeah, who else can say they built a course over COVID? built a course over COVID. That's the funnest thing you've done. I mean, (laughs) I would think it would be like, oh, I I went on a hike with my family or whatever. You built a course. That's awesome. Okay, so... 
And is, where's the course? Can I, can, can, who yeah, can, like, let's plug the Anyone course. can take it. Uh, it's with the Product Marketing Alliance. If you go to their website and go to certifications, it's all about customer segmentation and how you can identify your best customers without needing a huge data team and fancy technology. It's over five hours of recorded content with templates and activities. And it was really fun to create. And what's the URL? Oh, gosh. I'm not sure. Google Product Marketing Alliance and it will take you there. Awesome. Okay. And then favorite marketing book that you read recently? Yeah. I got to go with April Dunford. Obviously awesome. So huge April Dunford fan and obviously love positioning. I'm a product marketer. And that's a book that I have on my desk that I refer to constantly. And when you're reading books like this, they don't get old? Like, you know, like things change. Yeah, I would agree things change. The thing about April's is like, there are some classic positioning books, like Positioning, you know, that one book. And I love that April's is the fresh take on it. So I think her book, it came out during COVID too, I think, actually. And so I still feel like it's very fresh, very applicable. And because she provides like tools and templates as well, it's not just the theory behind it. There's activities that I can constantly apply to keep my own positioning fresh. That's great. Okay. Favorite carb? Bread, pasta, rice, or potatoes? Oh, pasta, 100%. Like if I could only eat one food the rest of my life, it would be pasta. Pasta. Yes. Any particular noodle style? Is that what I say? Pasta style? Ooh, that's a... uh, So my favorite is like the cavatappi, I think is what it's called. Or it used to say like (laughs) Scooby-Doo. So it looks like an S, like it's kind of like a tube that's got an S shape. Is that what it is? It's kind of curly. Yeah. Curly. Okay. (laughs) And and was that like a red sauce or a cream sauce? Uh, Red sauce for sure. Okay. Best show you've streamed during COVID? Bridgerton. Oh my (laughs) god! embarrassing to say that? (laughs) You and my wife, my gosh. I was like, what are we, did you also bake sourdough? Because my wife did that too. No, No, I I did not get into the sourdough trend. I was writing a course, remember? Right. Exactly. Right. So Bridgerton, pasta. Yeah. And then, and then the course. Okay, cool. Favorite thing to do on a summer evening other than writing a course? Have a campfire. I can't really do that in downtown Vancouver, but we're spoiled here, as you know. So nothing better than walking along the seawall and watching the sunset. Best place for you to zen? At the beach, watching the sunset. (laughs) Same answer. What kind of music are you listening to right now? I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. And Mm. talk about someone who lived their best life during COVID. She released two albums that are insanely good and just so relevant to the times that honestly, I have both of the albums on repeat constantly. My daughter is a big Taylor Swift fan too. Any nicknames that your friends or family give you? Most people call me T, which is pretty short. And I think it's because people don't know how to pronounce my name. So T. (laughs) T. All right. Favorite carnival food? Oh gosh. These are hard. I got to say popcorn because I feel like popcorn is my favorite snack in general. And then there's something great about that like greasy popcorn that you get at a carnival or a movie theater. You didn't say deep fried butter? Like there's like, no, you hear no. about that? There's like deep fried butter. Is that crazy? Like I was in San Diego and they, apparently they do at the Pianino, but yes. organization that you've supported by donating money or time. Yeah. So at Unbounce, we're connected to a company called Peace Geeks and they help A lot of people kind of get on their feet when they come to Canada and we've donated our time as well as our software. And I just think that's a great company to be involved with. One thing most people don't know about you. I'm terrified of butterflies. Of butterflies? (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if it was like this traumatic experience as a child, but I actually have like a real phobia of butterflies. I can't even see it on like the TV. 
Is it from a movie that you saw that you didn't like, or did you watch that butterfly effect from Ashton Kutcher or something? What, what, what butterflies? I, I don't have the memory of why I'm traumatized. I just know that I'm heavily impacted by butterflies. Did you know that back when the aquarium was open, they used to have this part of the aquarium where it's just butterflies everywhere. And my daughter just stayed in there wow. because she was like, Oh, butterflies. And that would just horrify you then. Yeah. So I had a membership to the aquarium. Love that place. That's actually my new answer for the Zen. <laughs> um, but I could not go in the room with the butterflies because I literally cannot be in that room. Wow. Oh, so but caterpillars are okay? Just the butterflies are no, no caterpillars. You I made mean, a I face. I don't so like audience. caterpillars, but right, I'm not scared of them. Okay, good. All right. Um, where are you going to travel once the COVID restrictions have lifted? Yeah, that's a great question. I had a bunch of trips planned ahead of time of like all these new places that I wanted to go. But now that I had that reality of like, what if I can never go back to my favorite places? I want to go to New York City. Nothing is better than New York City restaurants. I mm-hmm. just cannot wait to eat in New York City again. And then Italy. As mm-hmm. I already mentioned, I'm obsessed with pasta. So I want to go there and carb up. Yeah, we want to go to the Amalfi Coast. Haven't yes. done that yet. Oh, amazing. All right. So then in terms of marketing, like you you are at the forefront of the marketing world. Where do you see this headed? Like you touched upon AI. Is that the big trend or where would you tell marketers to put their chips in the next five to 10 years? AI for sure. I think every marketer and almost every person is going to have to find a way to augment their role with AI and ML. And if we think about it as augmentation and as elevation of what we do, then I think you're going to be ahead of everyone else. So that's another one. I would say the second one is almost a dichotomy of that, which is like in a world where we're less connected than ever before and where machines are becoming more important, the power of human connection is going to reign supreme. And some of the brands that I think are doing the best job at marketing right now are actually moving away from this idea of like brand to audience connection and are going more from like human to human connection. So instead of having, you know, brand campaigns or investing in brand content on LinkedIn, they're setting up their thought leaders within the company to be the ones actually representing the brand and connecting in communities. And I actually think that that is in the near term, like the next year or two, the real future of marketing and the companies who are able to lean into that are going to have a huge advantage. Have you leaned into something like Clubhouse? Because that's where I think a lot of personal brands sit right now and where anyone can really elevate their personal brand. Totally. At Unbounce, we haven't, but I think completely Clubhouse is a great example of that. Or even LinkedIn. Like For so long, LinkedIn was thought of to be not effective for B2B marketing, right? Or only if you're doing like direct messages. But if you think about some of the most exciting companies right now, like Gravy or Drift or even G2, they have this amazing presence of their employees, regardless of role, regardless of seniority. They're going on there and they're posting every single day. And they're not talking about their companies. They're talking about the topics that matter to them. But in doing so, they are talking about their companies and they're building that connection. So I actually think it's the most underutilized channel right now. For someone that's just coming into the workforce, and you now are talking about Snazzy and you got an AI that's going to write copy that you normally would get an intern to write, I would <laughs> imagine, right? So how do they get a leg up? How do they get you know an interview with Tamara or with T, I guess? You know, what advice do you want to give them? Yeah. You know, one of the things I hear from people who are just entering their careers, they feel overwhelmed because they look at the role of a product marketer and they think they have to be good at everything, pricing, packaging, positioning, segmentation, go to market. And 
I think one of the successful parts of my career has been that I'm totally comfortable with what I'm not good at. And I lead into like, what is the unique competency that I can bring to this? What can I do better than anyone else? Or what am I more excited about than anyone else? And so I'd encourage people to think within that lens, like rather than kind of spreading yourself too thin, like, yes, there's table stake things that you need to know. What gets you up in the morning? And then find someone who's doing that really well and try to learn from them. So for example, like one of the things I love the most about product marketing is customer segmentation. Obviously, I built a course on it. I talk about it at conferences around the world. Talk to anyone who will listen to me about it. And I have people messaging me who are just like, hey, can I pick your brand in customer segmentation? And I always take that call because... I'm excited and I get to learn from what people want. And I'm much more likely to take that call because they're interested in a very particular topic and they've taken the time to know that I'm an expert in it rather than someone who just says, oh, can we talk about what product marketing means? So what about you? You're kind of at the top of the game and audience I'm looking at Tamar right now and she looks like, you know, she's super not old. Okay. Like, so, she, so she's got, she's got a lot of, she's got a lot of years ahead of her. Like, where do you go? Like you're the head of, of a very, very reputable marketing company. What, what's next for you? Where do you go from here? As someone who's very not old. I, love that. <laughs> I was, I don't know. I was trying to just, I love it. I appreciate that. Honestly, I am so in love with Unbounds right now. We are in the middle of our journey. So, I mean, the first answer is I see myself here seeing out the journey. I think I have a lot of growth opportunities here just within the different challenges that we'll experience as we continue to bring our products to market. And then I'm going to follow the advice I gave earlier, which is I'm going to follow my curiosity and see where it takes me. And, you know, I've always been interested in funding and venture cap and, I love to have an impact. And so if there's a way that in my career, I can help advise companies, help companies grow, help companies and small businesses grow, like that's really interesting to me, but I don't have the perfect answer for what that will be yet. I'm just going to follow my curiosity and see where it takes me. That's great. All right. I'm going to end it here just on the fact that curiosity is a a really good word to end with. So I want to thank you tomorrow for your time. You're super busy. I get it. And Love that you had the time to share some insights with the audience today. Everybody, thank you for joining us on another awesome podcast uh, with Marketing News Canada. And we'll see you guys next time. Thanks so much, Ted. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded in the Jelly Marketing Studio, thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editors, Travis Jeffers and The Podfather. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How-
How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra $0.25 a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a $0.25 a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR.